I'm Cassandra Bowman. Today, my guests are Aida and Fernando Scarpati. They join us from Manhattan, where they are sibling co-owners of Verdi, a new Italian restaurant in the West Village. They grew up in the industry, and between the two of them, they've worked in their fair share of restaurants, including Morea, Cote, and a Michelin star restaurant in Naples, just to name a few. Usually we're talking about the journey to the present moment, but these two are on the journey right now. It's an exciting time. They just launched their restaurant. So we'll be discussing what it's like in New York City right now for new restaurants. Also, since we're talking about New York Italian restaurants, we'll touch on Little Italy and its shrinking borders. After decades of rising rents force people out of the neighborhood, what does it mean to have an Italian restaurant in New York these days? Does the neighborhood even matter? Plus, we explore enthusiasm and why it plays a large role when we're launching a new chapter in our lives. So I'll start by asking, as we always do, have you eaten yet? This could be a meal from today, or it could be a meal from any time in your life that you have a really great memory about. Hello, thank you. We're happy to be here. Um, have I eaten today? I eat the same thing every day in the morning, just a cappuccino <laughs> with a little bit of cinnamon, cinnamon on top. And uh, that's our, my starting breakfast. And, you know, in Italy, it's kind of nice because that reminds me, like, in Italy, they go to the cafe, they have a cappuccino, and they have a cornetto, which is like an Italian version of a croissant, usually stuffed with chocolate or jelly, fresh fruit preserves. And I would always have that, like, sitting on the balcony where my uh, my grandfather's house in Ponza. So that's my morning breakfast. That's a beautiful breakfast. I love that. I, I think my favorite meal... Um, it's uh, very simple. It's like good bread and good olive oil. Um, it's my favorite meal because it's very simple to go. It's like a simple go-to thing and extra virgin olive oil has a lot of good healthy fats for you, you know? So it's, um, it's delicious. And it reminds me of my father, my grandfather, you know, sometimes they just want to have something quick, you know, and, uh, my grandfather used to for dinner, used to have all the time bread, olive oil, Parmesan cheese and tomatoes, you know, and it was so fresh, so delicious that it was like enough for him. And I realized like, wow, that's that, that's pretty good, you know, so that became like my favorite meal ever since. You know? Absolutely. It's really the simplistic things in life, right? When you look back and you're like, what's my favorite meal or what are my favorite things to do or eat? It's really the simple things like you're describing good bread, good olive oil, tomatoes, some cheese. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, you guys are in a truly exciting time in your lives. And we have listeners in the industry, outside the industry, all over the world. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do is kind of just give people outside of our area a little update. So here in our area, you know, I'm on Long Island. You guys are in the city. We're both in the state of New York. So it's 2022. Most of us are not asking customers for vaccination status. Mask mandates are a thing of the past. Most people feel comfortable dining inside. Outdoor dining, still a thing, though Mayor Adams has been demolishing the abandoned outdoor dining sheds. There's still a ton of vacant buildings in New York City, both retail and restaurant spaces that are sitting empty. A lot of offices are still not full of employees. Inflation is very high. 
The other day, the New York Times had an article about the uh, fall dining scene, and they referenced $15 French fries. So I'm setting the stage here for listeners overseas and across the country so they can understand fully everything that you are facing as a new restaurant in New York City. Listen, it's better than it was two years ago. There's no doubt about that. But I'm really curious, what inspired you to open a restaurant in Manhattan now? Did you get a great deal on the building? Was it a gut feeling? Maybe you just knew this is it. The time is now. Well, I, that's a great question. Um, well, we believe we grew up in the industry. So I feel like my, my grandfather did this. He came to, from Italy to America. He did this whole thing we're doing now. Our father did the same thing. And they kind of always did it on their own without any kind of like partners, investors, so we we knew how difficult we know how difficult it is to get started, but it takes um, all the problems involved. So we felt like we were kind of seasoned in that sense. You know, we knew what to expect. We know what to expect, and we know that it's not going to be easy. So, <laughs> so, so we we're already used to that. You know, we're battle hardened. So I think that played a big role because if you're starting out brand new, you never did this before. It, that's very hard, you know, like people think they're going to open up and make money and do this. That's not going to happen. So the other thing that we did is that we we love the business. You know, we really enjoy it. Um, it's a lot of fun for us. The camaraderie with the staff, like, you know, having fun with them and, you know, a little when it's uh, really busy, a lot of pressure. So everybody's like uh, on their toes. And that for me is very exciting, you know, and to make sure the food is always good. The service is good. We take care of all the little details. That for me is like, I want to, I want to do that. You know, I, I love to do that. And my sister does as well. So um, we wanted to make sure the rent was something that we can manage that our costs we really try to manage our costs as much as we can. Um, and what we tried to do at Ferdy is give the customer the best, Best of the best. So the stuff that we have on the menu, it's whole prime meats. The lamb is Colorado. It's the best you can buy. And uh, we wanted to charge something that it was reasonable, you know, and still competitive with the West Village. And we felt like that would be, you know, something that people would appreciate. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys think, like, when did the idea come to you? Did you guys think... I mean, did it happen during the pandemic? Did it happen at the depth? Did it, was this from years ago? Like we know at some point we definitely want to open in the city. We want to open our own thing. How did it come to you? Because there's a lot of people getting out of the industry or there's a lot of people frustrated with what has transpired over the last few years, you know, to put on top of the usual burden of owning a restaurant. When COVID hit, we knew that maybe there was a possibility to find something that was good for us. You know, so we just did a lot of research. We looked all over the place um, in Westchester, um, in different states. And then uh, we just happened to come across this place on 15th, 7th Avenue South. And we met the uh, manager and uh, it took us a year to work something out. And we said to then we spoke between my sister and I and my father. We, we asked our father a lot of questions. He's like our go-to guy to ask questions for, you know, because <laughs> he's already experienced everything. You know, he's already been there, done that. And um, we want to ask him. And we just felt like, all right, it's um, something we can handle. We'll, you know, if things stay are kind of tough, if we're not doing so well, it's OK. We can hold on, you know. 
So. And piggybacking off of that, Kasata, like Fernando mentioned asking our father. And our father was like not afraid of Manhattan during COVID. Because when you talk to someone who's had, what, 60 plus years working in the restaurant industry, he's he, he was like, this is not the end of like the world. You know, he was saying basically you can find something, a great opportunity right now. And he always believes in looking for opportunity Anytime, no matter if things are going really well, things are not going really well. And so his confidence also inspired us to continue looking for a spot during that time when COVID was taking a hit on the city. And I love that because, in fact, I think you're right and your dad's knowledge is right because, you know, for the person who's been through it all, obviously it's going to come back at some point, you know, even in 2020 spring, we know, or someone with 60 years of experience knows it's coming back at some point. And in fact, you probably could score a good deal because I've interviewed people in the city who had, you know, and and there's spoken about it on the podcast who had bad deals, or they learned that their uh, landlord wasn't really working with them when they had to close for months at a time. You know what? They took the chance. They got out of that. And and one of the guys I'm thinking, he actually went right across the street to where his restaurant was, you know, and he got a great deal and it, and he did what was necessary for him. And it was only because of this unique time, because of COVID, because of a pandemic, that those deals were there. So it's really smart of you guys to take advantage. It just happened that the right, we, we were at the right time, right place. And um, we wanted to take advantage of something. Yeah. Yeah. I also find it interesting that you said you were looking all over the place. You were looking at Westchester, you were looking at other states. So that's really interesting that it wasn't just New York City or bus, like we got to be in the city. You were open, which is why I think almost being that open allowed that right thing to come into your life. I really enjoy that story. Right. You're not pressuring yourself like, oh, I have to find something here. And usually that's when you start to put that pressure on yourself Mm -hmm. that you make a mistake, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What, I'm just curious, what other places were you open to? Was it in the tri-state area? Was it beyond? Um, Well, we were looking at uh, uh, Scarsdale, New York. It's in Westchester. Yep. Scarsdale is a good area. Um, We're looking at Bronxville. Yep. Bronxville, it's a very good area too. And uh, where else? Huh? Connecticut. Oh, uh, Connecticut. Connecticut, of course. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a friend of my dad's, he's a lawyer, he was like, go to Texas. So we went to Texas and <laughs> we looked around, but we were like, it's too hot over here. It's like, I'm from New York. Like, <laughs> I don't want to go to Texas. So that's, uh, yeah, those are the places we looked at. And all over, we went to Brooklyn. We looked in Brooklyn, um, other parts of the city, Queens. And it just felt like for what the kind of cuisine we wanted to do, I felt like the West Village would be just right, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to roll a few questions into one with the intention of having you pretty much bring us into your life in a way. I know we're, you know, a podcast, but I'm trying to bring the listeners into your lives because it is such an exciting time for you guys. So from when the idea of Fairty first came to you to planning, construction, opening day, all the way to present day, as you all are launching this business, 
I'm curious how big or small your team is, any big challenges that stand out, any amazing highlights that you're proud of so far. What is a typical day like for you? So basically trying to get the overall feel for this time in your life. Our team is very important to us. It's a small group of people. In the kitchen, we have about six, seven people. And then in the dining room, about the same. And so I really focus on every day honing our strength, working together. Because now in the restaurant business, it's not so much just, okay, you're just a server, you're just a runner, you're just a bartender. Everyone has to be able to help each other and play multiple roles. So that is maybe a bit of a challenge to get a new team all on the same page like that. But at the same time, you just have to find the right people who are like excited to learn and able to adapt to change. And uh, so that's what every day we're focusing on. Every day we come into the restaurant and we're trying to find new ways to hone our skills, to better serve our guests and make a a enjoyable experience. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys have to do any construction or anything like that? Or was the space ready to go right away? Oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't ready to go at all. Um, we took the space over finally after months of negotiation, May, 2021, and we started construction and we finally opened in July, 2022. Wow. So it was a little bit more than a year to get the space ready. Um, construction wasn't the hardest part. It was the obtaining the permits that you need from the Department of Buildings, from the Liquor Authority, in order to open. So that is what took a long time, actually. So you didn't, or I would assume that during COVID, maybe they were kind of fast-tracking things to help out the industry, but that wasn't the case. It was the same as before COVID, as far as getting permits and stuff, pretty slow. Or From what I hear and what we were told from surrounding business owners, it was worse than before COVID because Mm -hmm. there weren't people in the office, people working from home. So it just took more time for um, your message to get around. You couldn't just walk into the office and be like, hey, I really need help with this filing. Can someone help me? Because there was no one there. So it it took longer, I think, because of COVID. And Fernando, uh, what about you and creating menus and, you know, balancing, you know, it can always be stressful when you're dealing with construction, you're dealing with architects, you're dealing with building permits and all that, but also you're launching this incredible menu for your restaurant, right? An exciting time, but also how did you get inspired? How did you jump into that headspace and tackle that? Well, we wanted to do a menu that we feel comfortable with that it, it, it shows what we like to do, which is Italian food, Italian cuisine, but also continental cuisine. Uh, because in, a, in our kitchen, the Italian kitchen, you don't find a lot of like these French sauces, let's say, no? But uh, in a time where my father was cooking in the city, there was a lot of uh, continental cuisine, like French chefs, Italian chefs, um, all kind of different chefs, you know, and they all had their expertise 
And I felt like that was a time where cuisine in the city was thriving. It was um, people were proud of who they were and they wanted to do the best they could. And some people excelled in making sauces. Some people excelled in, in pushing out so much food in a very time efficient manner. Some, some people were just good all around. Some people were good at making pastries. So all these stories that my father would tell me, they, they inspire me. Um, they're very interesting to me and they make me want to work even harder. So whatever we did, we wanted to make sure that it was delicious, you know, uh, simple, not overcomplicated. And that um, we had enough sauces to exhibit different flavors, because when you make a sauce, you can make a balsamic reduction sauce. You can make a lemon sauce. You can make any kind of sauce and it tastes a little different. It elevates the dish, you know. So that's what we wanted to give the New Yorkers, something that we feel like. It's not so making sauces is not so much present anymore in a lot of restaurants. Well, what is it like for you or other restaurants in your neighborhood? I know you're new on this scene, but so far, what's the temperature like for New York's dining scene right now as you see it? Is it on the come up? Is hiring an issue? Can staff afford to live in any of the five boroughs or are they commuting from New Jersey or Long Island? Basically, I'm trying to understand if New York is on an upswing or in transition. I know the tourism is not there, you know what I mean, which affects a lot of the businesses. Um, this area that we're in, everybody would say that there's so it would be full of tourists, you know, and I haven't seen I've seen a few, you know, I've seen a few people, but not a lot of that walking traffic with people speaking German and French. There's a few occasional people, but everybody's on the kind of common theme that tourism is not here yet you know um so hopefully that will pick up and a lot of the people they're not in the offices like we spoke about you know so a lot of these things definitely affect um the business world you know but um we got to remain positive i think um with time you know things will fix themselves and it's new york city like it's at these points where it's gone down it's gone up it's you know so I think uh, we just got to hold on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how is hiring for you guys? Hiring, um, it's, I have to be honest with you, it's not too bad. Uh, <laughs> there's there's some agencies out there that um, they have, uh, they've been in New York for a long time, like Parma Agency. So we call them up and sometimes they send somebody that's pretty good, sometimes no, and, you know, um, Aida in the dining room, she has a staff that she likes. They're all personable people. They're all humble. They're all nice. And in the kitchen, I have almost basically the same. Um, and a lot of your staff, are they are they living in the city? You know, I'm curious because people, when people say like, oh, the city's kind of dead, you know, or I can't live there. So do you know, are they living in the city? Are they living out of the city? What's the general consensus? Um, I think a lot of our staff lives in Queens. <laughs> there you go. Um, I don't know exactly why, uh, but I think most of them live in Queens um, and in the Bronx. Awesome. Um, um, one guy comes from Jersey. He takes the train. Um, but everybody else lives in the Bronx and in Queens. 
See, and that's great to hear too, that, yeah, you can still live in the five boroughs. Like it's, it's good, you know, as the neighborhoods change and you hear so many different things or you read so many headlines, you don't really know. So that's why I'm asking these questions to get an idea, a real idea. All right. You guys have a restaurant right now. You have people, you have a staff, you can hire, you can call an agency, you know, things are, are coming back. Those people are living in the five boroughs. It's good to hear. Well, speaking of the area in New York City, Little Italy. So these days, Little Italy is down to a few blocks around Mulberry Street. Recently, I was reading an article that talked about the 2010 census. So this is a while ago. And at that point, not a single person born in Italy lived in Little Italy. So after decades of rising rents, forced people out of the neighborhood, I'm curious and just want to know, what does it mean to have an Italian restaurant like you do in New York these days? Do you feel that the location of, of the restaurant or the neighborhood even matters? Would you prefer to be the only Italian restaurant in a, in a neighborhood and stand out? Or would it be nice to be in a neighborhood surrounded by similar stores and restaurants? Mm, that's a great question. I think what we wanted to do here was we wanted to do some food that we did not find in our with our competitors, you know. So we already spoke about like, you know, different fish with different sauces. Um, there's a lot of places now everything is just broiled or grilled and it's It's good, but you have to flavor, you have to top it with something, maybe a chimichurri, or we use an Italian chimichurri, which is extra virgin olive oil, balsamic vinegar, olive oil, smashed garlic, and some herbs. And we shake that and, or we stir it, and uh, the citrus from the lemon and balsamic, you can put on anything grilled and broiled, it just enhances the flavor. So we wanted to pay attention to those details, being an Italian restaurant, what it means to be an Italian restaurant, which means that when you taste something, it has to be delicious. It has mm -hmm. to taste fantastic. Um, and then we wanted to add some shows. So we created this liquid nitrogen ice cream. So we make an ice cream at the table in front of the customers with liquid nitrogen. We pour the nitrogen and it creates a smoke and it freezes the creme anglaise on instance. So everybody's been really wowed about that. Everybody says, what's going on over there, you know? Um, so we wanted to add some coolness to the restaurant, some youth to it, and still create, like, some of these nice Italian dishes that most people we know they like, like meatballs and all these things, penne vodka. Um, and that's what the Italian restaurant meant to us, you know? Um, I like the West Village in this area in particular because there's so many cute little shops and stores, and wine bars, cocktail bars, cafes, that that's what creates a community, mm. right? And so people actually enjoy living in this area. And we meet a lot of our, our guests who come to dine. They're like, oh, yeah, we live right down the block. Or they live across the street. And so they wouldn't live here if we were the only Italian restaurant, you know? People want options. They want variety. Um, so I personally, I, I like I like this area. It's uh, more residential than perhaps other parts of Manhattan. All right. So we are going to jump into enthusiasm. When we're launching a new chapter in our lives, enthusiasm plays a big role. Entrepreneur Jim Ron talks about enthusiasm and basically divides it into two categories, inside and outside. 
outside enthusiasm is what you show people. It's loud. It's what people can see and hear. An example would be a motivational speech. According to Ron, that's only 10% of enthusiasm. He believes that the full momentum of enthusiasm is 90% below the surface. It comes from deep inside of you. It's the feeling of genuine purpose to keep going, even when times get tough. He believes that the power of enthusiasm will let you commit to the job at hand. It will let you go all in and keep your purpose alive. You two are very much in the middle of this new chapter in your life. Does this idea of enthusiasm resonate with you? And if so, I'd love to hear how enthusiasm plays a role in your life when it comes to Faraday. Um, enthusiasm is the name of the game. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be enthusiastic about what you do. Um, and again, I say it a million times, but my father, when I saw, I grew up next to him working, watching him. He's very, um, he puts his blood into it. You know, he puts everything he's got into it. Like he, he'll die on the battlefield kind of thing. So, <laughs> so that, that was so inspiring for me. And like, that's, that's how I work. Like, it's like, let's do something. Let's go. So uh, enthusiasm is the name of the game. I think it comes from deep inside of you. You want to do things. You want to improve. You want to uh, just improve upon everything you do every single day. You know, and say, how do we make the food better? How do we make the service better? How do we reach more people? And that's something that Aida and I, we talk about every single day. So you have to do that because if your business, if you want your business to grow, you um, you need to give it everything you got. And in order to do that, a lot of times you talk to different people, say, hey, I'm doing this with advertising. I'm doing this with this new dish. I'm doing this. And like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, all right. Maybe we should do that. Maybe can do a twist on that mm -hmm. and, um, that's what i'm thinking about every day like i don't like to stay stagnant and like uh that's so boring to me you know i hate that in fernando and i's position we have to constantly display that enthusiasm to our staff because we have to make them also enthusiastic about what we're doing here at the restaurant so if you don't show that sense of like pride in what you're creating then why are they going to be also on the same page what's going to make them excited about talking to the guest about this new dish or this new wine or something that we're going to do some fancy new table side presentation that we're going to do at the restaurant so you always have to like give it your energy the most you can yeah yeah absolutely well how do you continue to find inspiration each year what drives Fernando and I now, I think the most, is creating a restaurant that would make our father proud, our grandfather proud, and they gave us basically all the tools that we need to succeed. So that's what drives us to continue looking forward, not just today, next week, but next month, and then next year. And every day, if we give it a little bit, go back to enthusiasm question, um, a little bit like 1% better every day. We know that that Ferdy can become a very strong restaurant in the neighborhood. And it could be a place where it fosters community and people enjoy coming to dine here and we get to know our guests. And so that for us, that's fun. It's almost like you guys. So 
different stages of your lives, you know, an older chef or an, an older team of owners might be like inspiration. Yeah. You know, travel or this, you guys are in it. Your guys are, you don't have time to travel right now. You are in it. So I loved Aida's answer because it does nail it. It's your inspiration is happening on a daily basis. Your enthusiasm is deep inside of you. You're nurturing it and you're cultivating it so that you can bring that out and develop your business. So it's really, like I've said a few times already, a really exciting chapter in your lives, guys. So this is, you've got inspiration flowing, you've got enthusiasm flowing, it's all flowing around you and it's all happening. You're in it. Our guests also inspire me every day. It's kind of like, I enjoy asking them where they heard about Ferdy. Like, what do, where are they from? What did they enjoy about their meal here? And so I get the most energy and the most inspired when I converse with our customers because they give me feedback that I can use to then further improve the guest experience. Yeah. Oh, that's powerful. That's really cool. Well, what does your ideal future look like? Mm. (laughs) Uh, I think our ideal future would be... um, to make Ferdy a very successful restaurant, to make it a very popular restaurant, something that the people, they really love and they just talk great things about us. That would be, I think that's that's our future, you know, that that right there. And then if we can do more, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do more if, if, if it makes sense, you know? If we're able to be able to have uh, a little bit of time to be able to travel to see our aunt in Italy because she, she we uh my father and her have a restaurant in Italy and so we would go there often to visit her and we would work there sometimes in the summer um because family is very important right so you want to stay in touch with your family and she has a restaurant we have a restaurant so we're all always working and our father always tells us you gotta understand life is not all about working right like and in the restaurant business, you could get caught up in that because it's long hours every day and you're there present in the physical business. It's not something that you could just manage over the phone or online. So, yes, it is important to think about our future down the line in terms of perhaps a work and a life balance. Having just opened two months, I guess we're not too concerned with that right now. <laughs> but we have to, that's why we're talking about every day coming in building a great staff that we are able to leave the restaurant in their hands per se and step back. Not have to worry about constantly being there. So that is what I would like to create a restaurant that can manage whether or not the owner is there. It can still run like a well oiled machine. Yeah. That's always the goal. And uh, you guys will get there. Definitely. And you know, there's, there's a high, just like how staffing now is a hybrid, like you were talking, Aida, I mean, that's the name of the game for us too. It's, you're not just a runner. You're not just a bus. You're not just a server. You're not just a host, you know? And it's the same thing when it comes to the hybrid approach to stepping away. You know, you can find, you may not leave the restaurant this year, for example. You may not be able to leave the restaurant to those guys, you know, your staff the whole day, a whole service. But maybe you come in at 6 p.m. instead and you come during the start of dinner rush. And that is something to be happy about. And that's something to celebrate. That's growth. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So the next question is synchronicities. Have there ever been any signs or synchronicities in your life that led to new opportunities for you? And it could be in this industry or in life in general. Um, It could be how you found your restaurant space. I know you touched on that earlier. And if, if there have been, I'd love for you to describe the moment and talk to us about it. We were talking about constantly every day finding enthusiasm within yourself. And then I think every day when you try to improve and get a little bit better, those moments in life open up new opportunities Mm -hmm. because you're trying your best and people recognize that, you know, Mm -hmm. so they're like, Oh, there's something worthy to tell their story about or, and, or I want to support you because they enjoy talking to you or visiting your restaurant or eating your meal. And so it's kind of like little doors open just randomly a lot of times, but it's not so random because it's every single day you're, you're working hard. Exactly. And that you guys are aware of that. And once you're aware of it, then they happen even more frequently. So this is just the beginning for you two. All right. So next flow state. So a flow state also known as being in the zone, is the mental state when a person is performing an activity and is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, clarity, and enjoyment in the entire process. It doesn't feel like work. It's effortless attention that you're giving the activity. It's a euphoric feeling. And it's during this altered state of consciousness that your mind functions at its peak and a sense of happiness flows through your body. So think of it like, you know, a pro athlete, you know, a football player, when he's out in that field, he's often in that state. Or for you, it could be as you're cooking, perhaps, or working at the restaurant alone before anyone arrives at work and you're just in your zone. So I'm wondering if you've ever reached this state. And if you have, describe your surroundings leading up to it and what it felt like being in that state for you. So since I was 12 years old, I was always in fighting sports, like boxing. Um, and then I even fought Joe Smith Jr. He's the current light heavyweight champion of the world. Um, he just lost the belt like uh, last month. Um, and then I fought Dominic Crowder. Um, he went to the Olympics as an alternate. Um, so I love like fighting sports. It's very like uh, you got to be in the zone because, you know, it's like <laughs> you can get hurt out there. So that for me, the kitchen is like, I like to treat it like that. Like you got to be in the zone. You got to be quick. You got to be on fire, you know? So um, I think that's why I chose this kind of profession too, because it's like, it's very demanding physically, mentally, spiritually, you got to be ready. Um, and the busier, the more crazier the get, get it gets, the, the more exciting, exciting it is for me. So I uh, enjoy staying up very late at nighttime. Like, I will be up until 5 a.m. just, like, working in silence. And, I and like, that's where my flow state is because there's no one around talking to me. And, but Fernando's always like, oh, you got to go to bed. You got to go to bed. So, <laughs> because then the next day I'm tired and I realize, oh, because I'm up just thinking about random stuff. And I get that from my dad because him and I would just, like, stay up and talk all the time about, like, oh, maybe we should do this for the restaurant. Oh, we can create this. Oh, we can make this dish. 
it's like 2 a.m. and we're talking about, oh, maybe you got to make the pasta like this and the brandino like this. And then, and then we're, that's when we become creative. And so that is what I enjoy, actually, the late yeah, night hours. Yeah. Yeah. Our father, our dad would not sleep, like, throughout his whole life that we've known him. Like, he goes to sleep at 5 a.m. And then if he has to get up, like, at 10, he gets up at, like, 10 and he goes to work. And it was like the craziest thing I ever seen, but that was what he did, you know. Me, I don't like to. I feel so tired throughout the day, you know. So I like to try to get like seven hours of sleep, you know, eight hours, you know. But not him. <laughs> well, we are at the end. So thank you for sharing your story with us. I believe that the journey is always greater than the destination. It's on the path that we learn evolve, and encounter lessons that shape us into our best selves. I always like ending the podcast by asking if there's any takeaway that you'd like to leave with listeners that can positively influence their lives. It could be something that we just discussed, a lesson you've learned on your journey, or general life advice that you live by. I find a lot of times when I'm talking to some friends of mine who we went to school together. So we continued in a similar path of hospitality and they are also interested in opening up their own restaurants, venturing out on their own, but they feel like they're not ready for some reason. They're like constantly like doubting themselves. They're like, Oh, I don't know if I can do it right now. I don't know if I could quit my job right now, or I don't know if I could accept this new position because I don't feel ready. And I'm like, it's not like me and Fernando opened this restaurant because we felt like we were 100% ready. We felt like maybe we were 90% ready, right? And we're like, okay, let's just try it because that's what you growth is. You just move on to something new. Otherwise, I noticed that they're kind of upset because they didn't gamble on themselves. You have to gamble on yourself because you have to believe in yourself, right? So I would say don't doubt yourself and don't allow other people to make you doubt yourself. Surround yourself with people who will tell you that you can accomplish what you want to as long as you want it. That's what I would say. I love that, Aida. Wow. That's a definite pro tip. That's beautiful. Wow. Thank you so much for having us. We really enjoyed speaking with you. Oh, I I loved it too. So before we go, where or how is the best way for people to connect or get in touch with you guys? Ready. Oh, yeah. Well, you can call our restaurant. <laughs> I'm here all the time. 646-476-6464. But besides that, um, we have an Instagram, Ferdy underscore NYC, that we constantly are trying to post new things, new and exciting videos, pictures, and we always check our messages. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's the best way to reach us. Awesome. Well, we have well, a website. What's the website? Our website is uh, www.ferdynyc.com. Well, thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, follow Have You Eaten Yet wherever you get your podcasts.